The Judge and the Journalist, Season 1, The Trial of Joe Exotic. Hi there. Welcome to The Judge and the Journalist. I'm Judge Susie Sexton. And I'm Teresa McEwen, the journalist. Today's guest is someone that Judge Susie and I are super excited to talk to. As many of you may know, there were no cameras allowed in the courthouse. They aren't allowed in federal well, court. Well, as right now, you all should know that in federal court. Yeah. So we thought, how can we bring our audience into the Oklahoma City federal courtroom when Joe's trial was happening? And Sylvia... You were there for the whole thing, but before we jump into that, you are a news person in Oklahoma City, but can you just give us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, As you said, I'm a reporter here in Oklahoma City, uh, but I've been in journalism for uh, near 16 years. I started in Lawton and moved up here about five years ago, primarily covering crime, uh, court cases. Really, you know, we cover whatever's the hot button issue going on in our city, around the country. And um, but again, my my focus is crime and I cover a lot of the court cases. Well, I saw quite a bit of you, you know, in various news pieces. So and I don't know, did I say your whole name? Uh, Sylvia Corkhill? Sylvia Corkhill. Mm-hmm. And what's the news the organization you're with? Uh, KWTV News 9. OK, yep. so you are familiar with many of the major players that testified and were at the courthouse. But can you give us, you know, almost like an establishing shot of like what the vibe was, what the feel was like when you first showed up for Joe's trial? Well, you know, this trial was unlike any other, just because there was so much buildup. We had waited so long for this to finally get to trial. And I just remember hordes of people being on the outside. You've got the media, you had, um, you know, the various docu-series folks that were out there. And I just remember sitting outside prior to going to the courtroom, you know, obviously you have to go through all the metal detectors and that whole process. Don't bring your phone in. You can only take a notepad. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it was, you know, we were all pretty anxious. I just remember, you know, we've got three other stations here in Oklahoma City. And uh, I just remember us all kind of huddling prior to going to the courtroom you know, asking one another, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that we're going to see Joe? What do you think it's going to be like? Who do you think is going to be testifying? Um, We were all on edge. And I think that we certainly knew that anyone involved would be interesting. We wanted to visit with them. We wanted to hear what they had to say. So there were just a lot of moving parts. And I think that we were just all anxious to get in there. And did Joe show up? Did Joe show up right away? Like, was that the first thing you noticed? Oh, gosh, no. We were... I mean, I, I, we felt like PIs out there. Wow. We're sitting there waiting. Is that is that his van? Is that his van? Are they going to bring him in? Are they bringing him in Sallyport? Are they are they here? Are they here? I mean, oh wow! It, you know, we, you've got your photographer down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, the other stations, even though we're competitors, we're all working with each other because, especially on something like this, you don't want to miss anything. So we were essentially, you know, sur- like flies around the courthouse, just waiting uh, for Joe because everything, you know, especially when you're talking about a federal case, uh, we're not privy to a lot of the information. There are reasons why everyone has to be tight lipped. So there was no tip off of what time Joe is going to come in, what area he's going to come through. We're just kind of guessing. So then how did it all shake down? 
Well, we didn't see Joe actually for the first couple of days. And then we were told, okay, he's actually going to be coming in at this time. And that was by one of the gate guards. He said, yeah, you know, there's a lot of buzz and I'm told around this time he'll be coming in. So we all waited and we didn't get a glimpse of him because of uh, the way the parking lot is set up. We saw his van come in, but we never saw Joe exit, but we knew he was in the building. You know what and, you know what the thing is uh Sylvia that I always notice with this stuff having had all the experience in state court is like it seems like it's a lot more difficult for a news person to actually look at these cases and get the information that you need because there's like you said they're they're not really forthcoming with a lot of stuff that's going on whereas in state yeah. court they are you the, you know the news people could talk to the bailiff and get some information it's it's a lot more open i guess for mm-hmm. one of a better oh, term c- certainly and you know and that's always the challenges when you know we're dealing with a case in federal court you know we're not going to be privy to a lot of the information simply because they don't want to throw a case while all cases you know your your attorneys are preparing weeks months even years in advance uh securing certain witnesses Uh, making sure you're going to, you know, this testimony, that testimony. But in federal court, it's it's all that more in depth. And I I think that the the overall census, you know, or consensus is they just don't want to risk losing everything that they've done. You know, just Mm -hmm. because you see federal cases, once federal charges are filed, you know, the homework has been done. Correct. Mm -hmm. They're ready to go. Definitely been (laughs) learned that over the over the years. I seen my attorneys maybe three times before trial. Everything was we're, we're going to do this my way. So when you hear me uh, call you a loud mouth and everything else, don't take it personally. But that's going to be our strategy. Is it was all just put on for television. When they got up there and started introducing, you know, the case to the jury and stuff, it was oh well, Joe's just this loud mouth, and you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of a lot of shit that he talks. Blah 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 blah. That was their strategy. When they finally got me to Oklahoma City, yeah, they they offered me a deal if I would plead guilty to one murder for hire, they would drop the other one. I told them to go to hell. I wanted to go to trial because I wasn't guilty of any of them. So after I told them to go to hell, then they superseded my indictment with 20 animal charges. So in terms of when Joe first arrived, did was there like a buzz in the courtroom or, you know, when everyone first saw him for the first time? Yes. You know... I had visited with Joe on a number of occasions over the phone. So I really had a a, a personal relationship in there, you know? And so as as soon as he came in, you know, everyone is kind of looking around, you know, initially the courtroom wasn't as packed as we had initially expected. But, you know, once Joe came in, more and more people started to trickle in. And then we started to learn that some of the people who were there weren't necessarily covering the case. They were just curious. Uh, there were a number of people even from that, that work there in the courthouse that were coming down, other attorneys, and they would sit in and they would say, oh, I'm just here because it's, you know, I, I, I wanted to see, I, I wanted to see what was going on. I wanted to see Joe. Well, it's kind of, a, I mean, I'm sure it was like a big story in Oklahoma City, you know. It, oh, I mean, it was a big story it, in the it, country. It, <laughs> after, after, it, yeah, after the doc came out. It, yeah. it was huge. I mean, you couldn't go 
anywhere without someone asking about Joe. Wow. You know, I still would have to go to our courthouse and check court beats. And that was the the one thing that everyone would ask me. What's latest in this case? What's what's going on with Joe? You think he's going to get free? Did you, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Is Carol Baskin going to be there? And, you know, what's she like? There, There's just so much buzz around this case. Um, everyone really wanted to know every detail that was going on. Wow. And when Joe got in, I think... You know, we're all fully aware of his uh, personality, his persona. It's 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 a big one. Yep. And um, he never fails to deliver. So I think straight mm-hmm. out the gate, for the most part, we expected. You know, I don't want to say theatrics, but we certainly expected it to be entertaining. So, but it was really quite the opposite. Only because we weren't used to seeing Joe the way he was. You know, to see him come in in a jumpsuit, to see him shackled. You know, he he couldn't be that entertainer that we had all known him to be. But they allowed him to dress out for 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 the trial. I would imagine. Sure, right? sure, yeah. sure. They did, and um, you know, he wore a suit jacket, and um, obviously was something that was borrowed, or you know, it, it certainly was ill fitting, and it and it certainly didn't have. Uh, all the sequins and the flash and the zebra pattern, the and tiger fringe. You know, yeah. yeah, you know that that you're used to. And um, I remember the first thing I thought when I saw Joe was, oh my goodness, his hair. You know, he he takes great pride in his hair. Yeah. Um, he wants it colored, he wants it perfectly coiffed. Mm-hmm. And I know that people give him a hard time for the mullet. Um, but it's really his signature. And so mm-hmm. for him to come out the two, three inches of it, you know, jet black, the rest of it, platinum blonde, and it was very flat, sh- you know, stuck to his head. That was the first thing that I noticed. That would have been, I'm sure, kind of a jarring, having the relationship you've had with him over the years, you were expecting the Joe, you know, you know? Yes. And, you know, I don't know if it was, I, I know that he's lost a lot of weight since he has been in jail. And so that was another thing that kind of caught us all by surprise um, was just his frame. I mean, he's always been a thin guy, mm-hmm. but um, you could tell that the time that he had spent in jail had certainly taken a toll. Well, he had a very, very terrible experience there, as you probably know. I mean, right? you've seen some photos out there of him with bloodied wrists and, you know, there's a, it was yes. a very, very tough, stressful experience. I think we'd all look pretty... Yeah. 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 You know, I think uh, it would affect anyone. Um, And we know Joe's background. He, you know, hadn't been in prison before. And I think that Joe may even have a tougher time than most people simply because he is such a social butterfly. And I think that he not only craves, but needs to be in the spotlight to some degree. When you're on stage, and, and it was when I was a kid, I was this way. When you're at a concert or you're on stage, you would give anything to be that person. Up there singing or doing magic or whatever, okay? And if you said you didn't, I'd call you a liar, all right? And I was the same way when I was a kid. So when I'm on stage, and, and you have to be there to understand it, when, when you're a performer, you feed off of the crowd. If you have a dead crowd, you have a bad show. If you have a good crowd, you have an awesome show. So when I do my shows here, because I do it in a, in a ring with three full-grown tigers, 
And then when I step out of there, it's all about allowing those people to get their photographs or, or sit and talk or whatever with you because it makes them feel important. It, it, it does. And it takes them out of the stress of the everyday world of bills, where they were going, where they're coming from, what their problems are, and it makes them feel important. And that's what I truly, it's what I truly love to do. You know, to be behind these walls, to be isolated for a long stretch at that, it, it definitely took its toll. Well, I'm sure it just killed his spirit, you know? Yes. Because he's a, yeah, as we both know, just because we both know him, the man mm -hmm. has a very, very big spirit. And, I, you know, what he went through, I can't even imagine. I, I think it would have been really hard to see him that way, personally. You know, and it was, and I tell everyone, you know, sometimes in this field, you come across, and Judge, you know this, you come across individuals and uh, accused criminals, some of them criminals with extensive uh, backgrounds. But sometimes you come across the one who... It can still be endearing and, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and and people don't understand that. So when I would talk about Joe, because I had talked to him for, you know, over the span of more than a year and of course knew him from his background from, you know, when he ran for governor. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Joseph Maldonado Placid and I'm running for the state governor's office of 2019. And this is video message number one of 333 videos that I'm gonna be putting up over the next 11 months before this election starts. All right, let's first of all, put it all out there once again, just like I did when I run for president. I ain't cutting my hair, I ain't changing the way I dress, earrings are staying, and I'll be goddamn if I'll wear a suit. Being fake and wearing a suit is not what this election's about. It's about sticking up for you, the working people of this state for a change, and telling it like it is just knew his personality then and kind of saw it dwindle to, you know, just like the light dimmed over his time in jail. And I, and I told everyone, you know, they, they would say, you know, Sylvia, you almost sound like you like the guy. And I said, well, uh, if you talk to him uh, for any amount of time, I think that you would find it very difficult not to. I could not he agree with you more. He is so you know, likable. So likable and really a very, childlike you know there's something you know all children are endearing and I know that he says these you know salacious things and mm -hmm. you know says a lot that kind of shocks the audience today I'm a pissed off man you know I'm so tired of this crooked chicken politics in the United States Department of Agriculture and the Florida Fish and Wildlife letting Carol Baskin down there at Big Cat Rescue pay her way for protection or whatever the hell's going on in this industry. Every politician down there in Florida, every law enforcement officer, the inspector general, the office of the inspector general, the attorney general, Marco Rubio, you're a senator, get off your ass, because we have a problem in Florida right now, buddy, and I am not gonna shut the hell up until something's done about all of this stuff. But really, you can tell, like, Joe just seeks approval, friendship, and in that, I think, is, you know, it's, it's hard not to appreciate that. Well, let me ask you something, Sylvia. After Joe gets his suit to wear and everybody is 
in their place, so to speak. And then you have when the jury came in, okay? When your first impression of the jurors, when they were seated and what they, if you if you can, what you think that they were thinking of when they looked at Joe? You know, there, there wasn't this, the, I think that there are, I think any Oklahoman would have have loved to sat in on that jury and said, oh, gosh, you know, I would love to be there to see Joe, to listen to the case, to listen to all the details. Um, You know, there is some sort of entertainment factor to it all. Yes, you know, his life potentially hangs in the balance of their opinion. But again, there is some degree of entertainment. But this particular jury, I felt, took it very took took it seriously. I mean, they seemed to hang on every word, uh, everything that they were hearing in the courtroom. And I just it when when Joe came in and you know at, at the point that he actually took the stand, I just think it, it they looked at him in awe and um almost like oh here's the guy that we always hear about here's a guy that we've seen on television for years a little starstruck uh, it sounds like yes absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely starstruck i go to walmart or, or anywhere and people are like you remember me and i'm like yeah okay i see two million people a year yeah i remember you absolutely <laughs> yes Well, it's good to hear. I mean, you do want to hear that the jury realizes the impact that they do have as a jury. I mean, you know, they're making a decision about someone's life and what, you know, what happened or what didn't happen. And so they were sober and serious, as they say, but they still understood that they were in a case that wasn't your usual. I mean, you you, you get a lot of cases that are dull for one of a better term. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. And, uh, and, and this was not a dull case. It most certainly was not a dull case, but at this end, you know, at the same time, you had so much information um, that you had to, to, to kind of process. You know, you had a lot of witnesses, a lot of testimony, a lot of video, a lot of audio recordings. Mm -hmm. So you really had to be focused because if not, you could get very, you could get lost very quickly. It's a lot of information to digest. So speaking, okay, so Joe, did he testify after all the witnesses or? Yeah. Right? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. So um, so you're kind of like, as we mentioned, our human camera, so to speak. Can you give us a sense of your impressions about some of the major... First of all, for anyone that hasn't actually seen uh, the Tiger King on Netflix, they may not know all the major players. Would it be okay if we just asked you about a couple of your impressions about some of the people that took the stand? Sure. Specifically, I think I'm most personally most interested in, of course, Carol Baskin. How did she come off? You know, I had spoken with Carol prior to to seeing her in court and just spoken with with Carol and her husband over the phone. And, you know, she 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 has a very sweet voice. And I think that we've you know, we saw that in the docuseries, of course. But she you know, she's 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 a interesting character let's say that um (laughs) as is you know so many of the folks that that were involved in this and 
I was surprised really by how standoffish she was once she got into the courtroom. Well, Susie, and now I don't know if you know this, Sylvia, but Susie was the judge that oversaw the case with Carol when Don, her, you know, her former husband, Don Lewis disappeared. And Susie, Oh, I didn't realize Susie that. Susie no. actually is the one, Susie, can you tell us a little bit about that? Just oh because my I don't goodness. think we've gone into detail, but she was the one that legally declared Don Lewis dead, correct? I did. Yeah. After five, he, uh, the second husband was m- missing for five years. And then of course you have to declare him dead. I think the family came in to ask that because they wanted to have access to information. It, it really was, uh, there's been a lot of, there have been a lot of uh, articles about this because what happened to him and he's never been found or nothing yeah. has, nothing came out about what, what exactly happened. Was he killed? What, did he did he just disappear? I mean, all that kind of stuff. But I do remember her when she came to court and she was, of course, a lot younger and was really pretty and, and uh, with that same soft voice and I and very composed and for somebody appearing in court it really you know a lot of people are intimidated and the other side was trying to paint her in the worst possible way that they could and it just never seemed to really affect her which I thought was interesting um Mm -hmm. it just didn't face her and because they were trying to talk about how they met and you know uh just another stuff that we need to go into in another episode. But most of it was they were trying to keep her from accessing the husband's, well, not really the husband's, their property, like he was going into his office and all that kind of thing. And so they were trying to, saying they wanted an injunction. And and basically at that point I said, look, there's really nothing you can do. They are legally married. It's marital property and they said something in the documentary. Well, he was going to divorce her and leave her with nothing. Well, that wasn't going to happen because they had been married not a long time. They were together a long time, uh, married, I think, less than 10 years. But still, there was property accumulated during that. She was going to get a part of that. So um, it was interesting when this came about, and it's like, holy Mac, <laughs> this is the thing that started back in, I think, 1996 or 1997, still going on. Still out there as a story. It's so But, you know, before you, because we're talking about Carol, we, there's a number of people that you, that Teresa really wants to talk about because there were a number of witnesses that testified for the government who had felon, fel, were felons or had mm-hmm. criminal history. And one of the things that's really tough for people to understand is, well, how can this be that this person who had this horrible history, how can this be that these people were believed? And a lot of that comes down to, well, Joe testified so they can compare it to what Joe said, but also it's how they come across on the stand and how the jury perceives them. Do they seem to perceive and did stuff that they say about what went on? Are there other witnesses that corroborate that? So first of all, I guess, Teresa, when you go into the people you want her to talk about, how did they come across to the jury? So, yeah. And to you personally. And to you. Yeah, as well. Yeah. So the the one person who's trans, you know, because Susie and I have gone through all the trial transcripts and, you know, sort of laughing out loud during parts of it because <laughs> of what the, they say, <laughs> like, really, okay. you said that in an open court. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. so, for example, Alan Glover. 
Alan Glover stood up there and lied his ass off about Joe working like a slave, didn't pay. Uh, the, the bank records, if, if, if they wouldn't have uh, kept everything covered up with a protection order, the zoo bank records would have showed he was lying about that too. And, and Alan Glover lied on the stand that he didn't get paid all the time he was screwing SSI for disability. Because he got a paycheck every every week, and I can prove it because I have a copy of the QuickBooks. How did he? How did how did the court react to him? And you know, from your point of view, Alan Glover. You know, when he came in, he is a big guy, very intimidating stature. He's the guy that you don't want to meet at the bar late at night. You know that he loves a bar fight. I mean, that's the impression you immediately get. And I think from the second he opened his mouth, he has a very raspy voice to where you really have to lean in and hang on every word to to try to discern exactly what he's saying. His voice is that hoarse. Wow. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> it, oh, the second he started to speak, I mean, we all looked at each other like, whoa, this guy is scary. Um, And he was very candid about it. He certainly did not try to win anyone over. And, you know, Judge, you talked about uh, jurors wanting, you know, even though they have a criminal background, trying to determine whether or not they're being honest. Mm -hmm. I I mean, he was as candid as candid could get to, to the point where the judge at times had to tell him, hey, you can't say that. Uh, hey, I won't have that in my courtroom. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was like cussing and there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, Carol, what did he, you know, he wanted to call her the B word uh, amongst other, you know, mm-hmm. words through, throughout the case. <laughs> and then and then the judge would stop him and he would go, I mean, Carol, you know, and and stop and have to correct himself. Wow. Yeah, uh, that doesn't surprise me, though, I have to say, you know. Very honest, very crude, didn't care who he offended. If that was the judge, if that was Joe, if it was the jury, if it was the, those who were listening in, he didn't care. All I can say is I'm innocent. And I'm not the only innocent person in prison. There are so many innocent people in here, and our system is so slow because it's not their lives. If, if, if the people of this country want to do anything to benefit anyone, we must change the Constitution and federal judges elected instead of lifetime appointments because they're out of control. The, the, the whole system is out of control. Well, here's the interesting thing. We're just getting started on some of these important players and testimonies, and we are actually already out of time. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I know. It's crazy how fast this has gone by because we're so into what you're saying, Sylvia. So can we just cut this short for this episode and then have you back to finish this conversation? No problem. Awesome. Okay. All All right, right. Sylvia, thanks, and we'll be talking with you soon. And we will be back for another episode of The Judge and the Journalist. We'd like to give special thanks to our team, Pat Kelly, our executive producer, Serena Fazan, our voiceover artist, Neil Galarte of Wild Style Media, our ace editor, and Bailey Sweeney, our social media maven, with a quick shout out to Gary Rivera at West End Studios. Thank you all so much.
Thanks for spending your valuable time with us. Show notes are linked to our website, thejudgeandjournalist.com. Make sure you don't miss any new episodes. So subscribe, tell a friend, and please feel free to rate and review us. Thank you.